0: we are very pleased to have with us Michael Highsmith. He is an uh, uh, analyst, researcher with the Show Me Institute. Good morning, sir, and thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. We are pleased to have you on. And uh, I'm very uh, excited to talk about a couple of these issues. Uh, there's two propositions or, or two proposals, one for a $0.23 cent cigarette tax and one for a $0.60 cent cigarette tax. So tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so um, well, we're a couple months off from the November election right now, so those, as you said, those are both two different ballot initiatives that are going to be on there. And the first of them is known as Proposition A, and it, is, it involves a 23-cent increase on the sale of cigarettes by 2021. And so the additional revenues that are coming from this tax would be used exclusively for transportation infrastructure purposes, and it would be increased incrementally. So basically on January 1st, 2017, it would go up 13 cents, then two years later, another 5 cents, and then by 2021, we'd be hit with the full 23 cents. And so along with that, there's also another 5% tax levied on other tobacco products, and the total amount of revenue expected is roughly $100 million. So then, on the other hand, you have the Second Amendment, known as um, Constitutional Amendment 3, and this one's a little steeper, and instead of 23 cents, this one involves a 60-cent increase on taxes by 2020, and along with that another $0.67 for companies that weren't part of the Master Settlement Agreement back in 1998. And so this one, it would increase about $0.15 cents each year for the next four years, and the main source of the funds for this would be going towards childhood education, while part of it would also go towards helping hospitals improve early access to childhood programs and smoking prevention programs. And this one is about three times as large overall. It's estimated to raise roughly $300 million annually. So... Not the most exciting numbers, but you kind of need to hear them to get a basis – get an understanding of what we're dealing with.
0: Now, what are the um, – for, for? I guess, generally – I mean they're totally different in this fact that the funding is going to different places. Uh, but just when you look at taxing a product, do, do they take into consideration that folks change their, um, their buying behavior when items are taxed, or does that uh, – not built in or is it built into the revenue? You know,
1: I'm actually I'm not one hundred percent sure as to what formula was used to derive those figures, but those are the figures that were estimated. Obviously you have the law of supply and demand, as the price of something goes up, there's going to be lower consumption of it. Um as far as exactly how many people what the elasticity is there, I'm not one hundred percent sure.
0: Now, cigarette tax uh, generally they, they target uh, or impact, I guess, uh, lower income households. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So, one of the things that you have to watch out for with cigarette taxes is they're a regressive tax. Um, you've got almost twice as many people that live below the poverty level smoke as those above it. So, when a tax like this goes up, it's it's harmful to those people that are living in poverty because they have to they have to burden the shoulder. In other words. Um, the tax increase has a larger impact on lower-income households, and they're forced to burden the costs that most likely they're the ones that can't afford to be dealing with.
0: Right, and, and I guess some folks may think, well, you know, maybe they'll uh, push them over the edge and get them to quit and uh, have a, uh, a better perspective or, you know, outcome health-wise in their lives. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But there's there's two sides to the argument there. Um, there's supporters of the tax increase say that there's a higher tax rate That'll result in less tobacco consumption, and I mean that's a completely fair argument. You've got the basic laws of supply and demand. Again, if the price goes up, it's possible that it will push you to that. But the question is how effective that kind of how effective that kind of taxation is.
0: Right, and and as we've seen, I think there was a uh, something came out of New York where there's you know there's a lot of when you have excessively high tax on anything, uh, crime seems to follow a little bit and uh, try to skirt the uh, skirt the law.
1: Yeah. So actually, that's really interesting. Um, the Mackinac Center released a report a couple of years ago that showed that as state cigarette taxes go up, it doesn't necessarily mean that the smoking rate goes down, but it does mean that there's an increase in the number of cigarettes that are smuggled from one state to another. So it's not. So you can't say necessarily that cigarettes will be dropping 100% of what you see. It's very possible that cigarettes are just moving from one state's border into another. And right now, Missouri has the lowest cigarette tax in the entire nation at $0.17. That's considerably lower than quite a few. I, um, I think – I believe New York is the highest at $4.35. percent. So there's, um, there's, there's a huge difference across the board, and there's definitely the possibility that if Missouri's taxes go up, then you will have less people that are coming across the board to make the purchases here.
0: Now, the – I think it was at uh, the Proposition 3, the one for $0.60 – Uh, Now, that one has an interesting feature that uh, increases taxes, just a portion of the tax, just on those uh, producers who were not involved in the master plan. Why was there a segment of the uh, cigarette manufacturers that were not involved in the master plan?
1: You know, that's actually a great question, and I, I wish I could give you the full answer there. But the fact of the matter is that back in 1998, when the master settlement agreement went through, it was the larger tax companies, or the larger tobacco companies. Excuse me, the larger tobacco companies were the ones who had to pay the settlement, and they're indefinitely paying this roughly $10 billion annually to the states as compensation for these adverse health effects. And, and so, with this, with this um, 60 cent, with the additional 67 cents that would go along with it, the idea behind it is it would level the playing field for big tobacco.
0: And if I understand uh, f- from my limited view is or understanding is that uh, the smaller ta- uh, tobacco companies either did not engage in the practices that um, that caused the big tobacco to get into trouble in the first place, or they might be new companies. And so, why would you tax or penalize a company who had no involvement in the behavior of? Um, you know suppressing you know the facts of uh, the negative facts about tobacco use
1: right exactly and I mean basically the the main thing that we can see here is that there there's these two taxes and while while there may be that tax that might level the playing field it might not what we really need to be looking at is necessarily where these taxes will be going what uses they'll be put to and I I think, generally speaking, it's, probably, it's, it's good public policy that if you're going to be taxing an issue, if you're going to be taxing an activity in order to fund an issue, you want some kind of an association between the two issues. For example, if you want uh, the fuel transportation, you, should, you have a fuel tax, you have toll roads, those kind of things. But when you're dealing with cigarette taxes, there's not much of a relationship between transportation and education as there is with cigarettes. It doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a public policy standpoint.
0: Would there be a better way that you would uh, on the on the childhood? Because obviously you mentioned the the um, uh, fuel tax and uh, toll roads as being a way to fund transportation. Uh, I guess is it just raising the overall general uh, tax would be a more public policy issue for the early childhood health and education.
1: Yeah, I mean exactly. Just like you said, there's there's different ways that it could be it could go about there in order to have better funding, but. In order to target a specific group of people, in order to target smokers for this, it's, it's difficult. You have to take a step back and say, is there an association here? Does it really make sense to be targeting smokers in order to to fund an activity that they may not be benefiting from?
0: Right. Well, um, what would happen if both of these uh, propositions passed?
1: Well, so it's interesting you ask that, um, Steve. Right now, the 23-cent... Uh, proposition. proposition A actually has a clause in it that says, if another tax proposal is on the ballot, then this one will not be on the ballot. Essentially anything that goes with it will be null and void. And there's been a couple lawsuits that have been taking place in order to make sure that the 60-cent proposal doesn't get on the ballot. There, there were a couple issues. Um, one of them was regarding the petitioners who signed it, whether the signatures were valid or not. Because the initial proposal that they signed, there was an issue with the wording on how the tax would keep up with inflation. And since there's an issue in the summary, the argument is that the petition signatures didn't really know what they were signing and the ballot shouldn't be counted. And so it's, it's still up in the air as to exactly how this will all play out.
0: But as it stands right now, they're, they're both scheduled to be on the ballot?
1: Yeah, that's, that's what it's looking like right now, to the best of my understanding.
0: And so the courts, uh, now is the one, is that up in Cole County for the... um,
1: Yeah, that's where the lawsuit's taking place.
0: And any idea on what you think uh, the outcome might be?
1: You know, I, I honestly don't know if I'd be educated enough to weigh in on the legislative side of things as to whether or not signatures would count for that. I think that's up to the court to make that decision. But the... The same issue that I mentioned earlier applies to both of these taxes, regardless of which one would be on the ballot, regardless of which one we'd be looking at. It's important to look at where the money is going, and it's important to look at if it's being put to a good use.
0: We are speaking with Michael Highsmith. He is a uh, researcher for the Show Me Institute, and we're talking about the uh, Missouri 23-cent cigarette tax and the 60 since cigarette tax will both, which will we'll both be uh, right now, as we know, on the uh, ballot uh, in November. Uh, now, if I could, I and I probably should have done this in the beginning, Michael. I, so I apologize. Uh, you, are you you're new with the Show Me Institute, or relatively new?
1: Relatively, yeah. I've been at the Show Me Institute for about three months now.
0: Okay, if you don't mind, uh, you know we we're, we always enjoy uh, having uh, different uh, folks from the Show Me on. Uh, just give us a little bit about yourself and background and how you found yourself at the Show Me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a recent graduate from St. Louis University, a proud Billiken. Uh, I I graduated this past year, and I started working at the Show Me Institute. Actually, last year I was an intern, and I just. I loved being in such a such an environment that was so open to research and opening to to these to following different policies, and it was it was just so interesting for me that I I applied for a full time job, and wouldn't you know, the internship worked out, and here I am today.
0: Very good. Well, for for folks, and we've got uh, a couple minutes left. Folks who may not be that familiar with the Show Me Institute, uh, from your perspective, what is Show Me, and what does it do for the citizens of Missouri?
1: Yeah, so the Show Me Institute is Missouri's free market think tank. So what that basically means is that we take a look at public policy, we study public policy problems, and we develop proposals to increase economic opportunity, to increase individual liberty for people who live in Missouri. And so we promote these studies, or we promote these solutions by publishing studies, briefing papers, and we, in general we try and just help the public have a better understanding of the issues that are going on some of these things can be kind of hard to understand unless you're able to dig around and get a better feel for it. So basically, we just try and educate the public, and we try to improve the overall quality of life in Missouri.
0: Very good. And where can folks go to get more information about Show
1: ShowMe? Uh, you can go to showmeinstitute.org, or you can follow us on Twitter at ShowMe.
0: And that's, uh, so we'll be very interested to see uh, what happens, I guess, with the court case. Is there any chance that they're going to get it wrapped up before November?
1: Um, it's possible. I can't say for sure, honestly, but it, it's definitely possible.
0: Well, that would be interesting. I guess the interesting thing would happen if these court cases are still running, um, and then they both pass. Or, I mean, you know,
1: it, it, yeah, absolutely. I think it's gonna. It's very. It'll be very interesting to see how things will play out, and honestly, only time will tell.
0: And and to have the courts uh, involved in these things uh, really. Uh, throws a dynamic that just like you said nobody really knows
1: right exactly
0: well michael we we very much appreciate your time sir and um the fact of the matter is it'll be interesting to see all the results of the election and this is just one of many uh so you know we'll just don't forget to vote folks get out there if you aren't registered you need to get registered so Uh, michael thank you sir again for your time
1: no problem thanks for having me steve